Our reading tonight is from Ephesians 1, 11 through 19. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. So one of, one of the ways I like to tackle the scripture, you, if you walk with me when we are in the book of John, I guess that's going back a little ways, I like to go in and out. If you've noticed, I like to telescope in. I go real and real tight, go into tight in some phrase, and then back out and look at the whole text again. Then go back in tight on something nugget, go back on a word or something like that, and then back out again and look at the larger scope. Today, we're kind of we're narrowing it a little bit more. And we're going to do that for a little while because, because there's just ideas here, ideas that I'm not, I, I, I'm not satisfied, that, that, if, that, it, that, uh, that it's good for me to go forward if you don't know what they mean. Like the word gospel. We just, the word is gospel. Does anybody, could you define that? Salvation. These are very, very Christianese words. Well, I, I, I'm afraid of the understanding that thinks it's understanding. I'm afraid of the mind that's heard these words and processed them and has a place for them. And because we need to hear them new. We need to hear them fresh, and by the Holy Spirit, we will. But, but, but what, I want to, what I want to telescope, what I want to kind of telescope is in the role, I guess, magnify, what I'm going to focus in on is that expression you may have not noticed, but it was the word of truth. Take a look. It's right there in your text. It's in, it's in, verse, um, uh, in verse 13. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth. And that, that, that'll be... That's what we're focusing on, but what you're going to see, it's, it impacts the entire text, how we understand that. And so we should, we should take the time to do it. But what is this idea, word of truth? What does that mean? What is that? Well, I think it's a, it's a reference to the Bible. It's a reference to the Scripture. And, and for Paul, that would have been Genesis through, through Malachi, or Malachi. And, uh, and so it, that would be his Bible. Although... Paul seems aware that he's writing Bible, and we can talk about this some other time, but Paul seems aware that he is an author and that scriptures are being created by him. But, but, uh, but that aside, um, this idea of the word of truth, what is the, calling the Bible the word of truth mean? You know, uh, for many people, and maybe, maybe, maybe one of these people, you might think of the Bible just in the same way or in the same breath or the same kind of thought structure that you think of the Upanishads or the Vedas or the Analects of Confucius, or any number of spiritual writings which humanity shares in its attempt to discern, to reach, to find, and to get to God. 
In every major religion, that is what the scriptures are for. They represent the common humanity reaching, putting the ladder up to get. Now that's a very transcendent desire there, but let me hear something very clearly. That is not what this is. That is not what this is saying at all. In fact, it's saying something much more powerful, much more living, much more compelling, and much more confrontational to us than we might have thought at first, because the word of truth it's describing are the words of God. What it's describing is the Bible as the word of a God, not a word of man, reaching for God, but God speaking to humanity. You see, it, it, you could look at a, a scripture either way, right? You could, and, and most scriptures have been man-reaching, but the word of God distinguishes itself. It pushes away all those other manuscripts and says, no! And the writers of the Bible say no! And Paul says no! We believe a God has spoken. And our God, well, he's a talker. He's a talker. He's all about words. Don't you know, God is a talker. This is one of the things that is every single page of your Bible. More than you might have even thought. You don't get more than five verses into the Bible before God says, let there be light. And there's light. The creative motion of, 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 of all created matter is ushered out by what? God talking. Because our God, the God of the, God of the Bible, he's a talker. Oh, he never, he doesn't stop. Well, you imagine... You know, in Psalm 19, it says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky show forth his handiwork. Day after day, they pour forth speech. They're like Gabby. They're Gabby. They're constantly talking. Constantly talking. Not only did God, is God a talker, everything he made talks too. <laughs> it's always communicating. It's always speaking. It's always telling you something. Telling you about this God. Oh, it gets better. Um, here, I'm going to teach you a little Hebrew. I'm going to teach you Hebrew, a Hebrew a phrase. You can say it after me. Vayomer. Oh, let's try again. Vayomer. Yahweh. Vayomer Yahweh. Okay, that's, that's not bad. That's a good job, Sarah. You now know 5% of the Old Testament in Hebrew. Because 5% of the entire Old Testament is this expression. And God said. <laughs> That's 5% of the Hebrew Bible. Do you get the picture? What do the prophets believe? What does every writer of the Bible believe? God's a talker. God's a talker. And he's talking. He is there. And he is not silent. It goes on, the adventure goes on. And by, by the time we get to the New Testament, it gets even better. As if, as if to make the point ever more clear to you and me so we couldn't miss it. Christ is given a code name. He's given a code name, isn't he? A name by which he could be identified in the world. Almost like a secret name. That would, that would, but it invites you to believe something and understand something. It's the same word he uses here, Paul uses here. Where Christ is called the Logos. Why is Christ called the Word? Our God's a talk. He's talking, and he talks and speaks in his word. But get, get this, it gets better, it gets better. Our God's a talker, 
and he even invites us to weigh his words by his standards. And this is what he says. You interpret what I say by what I say. God actually inspects us to, to receive his word on that word's terms. The way that Bible understands itself as the talk of God. The speech of the Most High. The words of an eternal being in this world for us to hear, for us to read, for us to apprehend. Wow! This claim from Genesis 1 to the end is God's a talker. And he's been talking, and he's been talking, and there's one thing he seems to talk about more than anything else. He has a favorite conversation. He has a favorite topic. Does anybody know what it is? Well, it's his son. Who else is it going to be? It's going to be his boy. It's Jesus. But then you can keep going. We can keep pulling at this. It's called the word of what? Truth. It partakes, you know, my mom used to say this. You know when kids would make fun of you and call you names and you're little? And my mom would always say, consider the source, right? In other words, why do you have any regard for idiots who call you a moron, right? Consider the source. Why do you value what they say? Well, my mom meant well, and when we do consider the source, we realize human beings are liars and they're mean. But when we consider the source of the scripture, oh, wait a second. His word is truth. Wait a second. I have access to truth. And suddenly the claims that the scriptures can never be broken, they can never have error, they can never fail. Oh my goodness, yes, they partake in the nature of their speaker because our God is a talker. And the way a God talks is different than the way you and I talk. And we have the word of our God. God's a talker. And so I, this is idea. It's, it's everywhere, everywhere present in the scripture is, is I want to encourage you in the truth. I want you to, to encourage you. You know, see, I'll go even further. Does anybody remember the Seinfeld episode and where, where Seinfeld, he complained about different human behaviors at times. And I remember one time he, he complained, it, it, the whole episode was about this one person who was a, a close talker. Remember that? People get a little too close to you when they're talking to you. They get in your space. I, I, sometimes I wonder if in the incarnation, God's a, yeah, you're like me. Thank, thank you. Joy, Joy said just like me, especially when I'm preaching. Uh, but, but God is a close talker. He gets up into our business. He gets up into our lives, into our heart. Ooh, even the incarnation, doesn't that seem to tell you if God became flesh in Jesus, that he's a close talker. And he means to talk very closely with you tonight. I really believe that. That's why you're here. This is an appointed hour. Can't be otherwise. The Lord is on the throne, his throne, and so it is, so it must be. So our God is a talker. And then we have in our Bible the very words of God. You know, I've heard you talk, try to describe to you, there is no genre for this. This doesn't belong in any human genre. This is fantastical nonfiction. This is fantastical. It's amazing. It's got amazing miracles in it. Non-fiction. There's nothing like it in the world. Our God's a talker. Now, what do I, what I, what, now where do I want to bring this? I really want to bring this somewhere else, though. And I want to bring this into the work of the Holy Spirit. You know, um, and, and I want to bring it into to the Holy Spirit, and you'll see why, I think, here. Because although God is a talker, the one who delivers and makes his word sticky is the Holy Spirit. 
You see, God is a talker. Sure, God is talking. These walls, they matter, matter, atoms, they, they all talk, right? You can't help it. They reveal the glory of God. You can't help it. But we need the Holy Spirit to make it clear. We need the Holy Spirit to hear it. We need the Holy Spirit to know how to respond to it. We, we desperately need and I, the spirit of stickiness. That's what I'm going to call it today. <laughs> I'm going to call the Holy Spirit the sticky spirit. Because all over this, I see him doing this sticky work. His sticky work of sticking me onto Jesus and sticking the word in me and sticking me to him and sticking me to Ted and sticking us to each other. Because that's a part of the work of the Holy Spirit. Sealing. That's that word sealing. You see it right there in that verse? It's a beautiful word. We looked at it a couple weeks ago. It's called, we were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Now, there's three words, three kind of meanings in the word seal, especially in the Greek. And the first one, it just mean, it can mean agreement. Uh, we get the word sealed, verse for signature, I'm sorry, the word for signature comes from a Latin word, signet, sign, or sign, or seal. Same thing. And so what are you doing when you sign a document? That's what you, maybe you put your signet ring before. But if you sign a document, you're acting out that agreement with what has been said, agreement to the terms of whatever's on the paper. You are sticking yourself to that paper. That paper's now stuck to you. How many of you have signed something you wish hadn't signed something at some point? We've all done that. We've all signed things. But there's this idea that the Holy Spirit is, is exercising this wonderful, bringing us into agreements. There's this wonderful agreement that, that God has with us. But it's a little bit more than that, isn't it? There's a second idea in sealing, especially in the Greek is ownership. What do you put your seal, the seal of your signet ring on wax? What do you put it on? Everything you own. <laughs> Everything you have that's yours has your seal. It's, it's a way of establishing ownership. Has anybody ever put, I remember putting little uh, ex libris out of my library in my insight. You do that too, um, Scott. And so, and so I can track my books when I, when I loan them out. There's a third meaning of the word seal. And that means glue. Stuck on. And that's the meaning that I want to capture. I think it's being captured by Paul in this text. We are sealed in. And there's something beautiful, a beautiful certainty and joy being told to us in this. Now, why have I stopped? Why have I hovered over this God as a talker and the Holy Spirit so much? Well, because. Satan's a whisperer. God may be a talker. Satan's been a whisperer. And he's been whispering the same lie since the beginning. And let me tell you something. Our enemy is not terribly creative. He isn't. I don't think creativity is one of the powers of the demonic. Like creativity belongs to God. That's a divine attribute. That's demonic. demonic doesn't understand that. Which makes it not surprising that Satan has never cha changed his tune. Ever. He said to the woman... Did God really say? And how, how haven't you heard, Carol, haven't people said to you, oh, you believe that Bible, aren't there many interpretations? Now, when somebody says, aren't there many interpretations, if you're listening carefully, what are they really saying? The same lie. Did God really say? It's a way of obfuscating. It's a way of blurring, of getting away from anything hard and clear. And let me assure you, let me assure you, doubling down assure you, 
If you accept the Bible in its own terms, the amount of disagreement between Christians shrinks almost nothing. Now, there's disagreement, but they aren't what you think they are. And they're nothing about the truth of a saving God and his son, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Don't believe them. Oh, that book is a bunch of fantastic stories and myths. It's just Satan's voice again. Did God really say? You know, and it's funny. It started in the garden. Within 100 years of Paul writing this, Marcion will start dividing up the word of God and saying, this belongs in the Bible and this doesn't. And the first place that our enemy always strikes and always goes for, did God really say? And so I want, to I want us to have an answer. And I want us to have some way of, 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 of responding. And I want us now to run and turn to the work and power of the Holy Spirit. All right, let's begin. Now I'm going to look at three doctrines that, 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 that show you how the Holy Spirit is the spirit of stickiness. And the way he sticks us to God and sticks and attaches us and, and makes us sticky too. But, but uh, the first one is the first, the great, three doctrines, I'll tell you what they are before we get to them. The first is effectual calling, the second is illumination, and the third is discipleship. So the first stickiness that's in the text is the stickiness of effectual calling. What is effectual calling? Effectual calling is a doctrine that says this is the way God drew Spencer, or Caroline, or Cedric. He just made himself beautiful, and they had to. He, by just calling them, they were able and then turned. And it, it had an effect. It's not the call of the effectual call. It, it actually makes the person who hears it and receives it able to respond to it in the calling. Now, let me show you where that, that effectual call is here and how it, it goes with the scripture. The effectual call starts here in verse 11. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been what? predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Now, that's a statement that Paul makes about himself and all those who are, I guess, with him. But look in verse 13. In him you also. So Paul just made a distinction between him and them. Yes, that? Between him and them. But, but look at the structure here. We're going to go back to that, 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 that distinction uh, at the end of the message. But when, we, but when we look at this, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, you also. It's the same thing as in verse 11. It's just a different, a different uh, tack on a different perspective. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Go back to verse 11. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been what? Predestined. Those two sentences are, are describing the same event. Just from different perspectives. And how is it that we are predestined? When the word of God comes out. And the Holy Spirit uses the word of God. Now, you may be thinking I'm making a stretch here. By no means am I making a stretch whatsoever. In fact, take a look down here in verse 17. Where he begins to pray, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the what? And he gives the Spirit two titles. The Spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. That's the Holy Spirit that he's talking about. That, that work of the Holy Spirit to reveal, to give wisdom, 
to disclose who Jesus is to us. And there's this idea that God in his predestining, calling, wonderful, choosing, electing power is the reason you're here. Even if you didn't know that that's what it was. Even if it felt like you were the one who decided and called. It's still, that's another way of looking at it. It's another way of describing it. Another way of understanding it. Now, why is this so important to us? Why is it valuable to us? Why, why is this important, this stickiness, so wonderful? Because it's the stickiness that Jesus, only, only, only the Spirit can bring. And it lets me, it gets us, it just relieves so much pressure. <laughs> just the idea that Jesus saves, and I don't. And you do. Praise him. I don't effectually call. You know, I, like, you know, I, I, I'm an excitable person. You probably picked up on that already. I'm excitable, and I often embarrass myself when I'm speaking. And sometimes I, I leave this room ashamed of myself. I feel stupid or foolish. But I, t- I try to describe this to somebody. A lot of times I'll get up here preaching. I'll, I, I haven't even looked at my notes. I have to look at my notes a little bit. I don't look at them all of a sudden, because all of a sudden I'm sitting here, and, I, and it occurs to me that, that heaven and hell may, and death and eternal life are here in this room right now for you and me. Like, this, is not a, this isn't a game. This isn't just like us talking. or This isn't a conversation. I'm not here to deliver some interesting news to you or, or teach you something. I'm here to proclaim the living God. Repent, all of you. Repent and turn to him. You know, that, that's, the kind of, that's what this is. This isn't a, this isn't a lecture. And so when I, I, get all, I get all excited, and then I, I'm watching, I watch, it's very hard with masks on, by the way, because I can't tell what effect my, the preaching has. It's very good for me to, to, for you to have masks on, because I feel like I'm floundering, because I can't tell if I'm being effectively calling or not. <laughs> I can't, am I, am I, a, and I want to effectually, I want to like, and look, you know, if I could, if I thought it was going to save Jack, I'd want to grab him by the collar and shake him and, and be as effectual in my calling as I could be, right? But that's not going to work. I've tried it before. It never leads people to Jesus. No, I need to trust the effectual call. And the effectual call happens through the Holy Spirit, the spirit of stickiness. And it happens through the word of truth that the Holy Spirit delivers. The stickiness of That is awesome. That is so wonderful. Why? What, don't you get it? Your job, and our job, and my job, and our work, is to expose people to the scripture. It, that's a good, that's it, that's, you know, I was thinking about Cedric recently. So Cedric had two very good friends of his who were both struggling with thoughts of self-destruction, and self, self, self-hurt, self-harm. But Cedric had a ministry after he came to Jesus, and the ministry that God gave him by the Spirit was to send out Bible verses to the point where, you know, you see Cedric's name, you go, oh, there's another Bible verse. That's exactly my attitude. Like, oh, gosh, what's Cedric sending me today, right? Another Bible verse. Well, these two people were both getting those Bible verses. And one of them perished in her, took her own life. Word of God didn't stick there. Another person. It got sticky. She became a Christian. She's in our Bible study, Bethany. That's effectual. Cedric just ain't that good. He's not that good of an evangelist. He wasn't even trying to be. He was trusting in the word of God, the word of truth. 
Because through it, in it, of it, with it, the predestining, eternal, sovereign God reaches into space and time and plucks a sinner like clay right out of hell. Praise him. What a wonderful God. That's the way he is. And, and, and the fact that this is so real and true can really set us up in this world. We just need about, a, lot of us, a lot of you don't speak because, or don't speak to other people because you're like, I don't know what to say. Or, well, then just share the scripture you were reading. For God has not only ordained that he would call Scott, he also ordained in his sovereign mercy that he would use the scriptures to do it, didn't he? And he did. Praise him. Trust the word of truth. This first stickiness is wonderful. It's the stickiness that leads to eternal life. It's a stickiness that's, you know, it tells, invites us to trust our Bibles. It's a stickiness that just, that, that trusts him and his work. And I trust the Holy Spirit. Let's trust the Holy Let's trust the Holy Spirit. Last week, I, was, I, I walked out, you know, and I, and I brought the car. And, and uh, Tal was like, are you okay? And I'm like, no, I feel like a loser. I feel like I failed again. And you know what she said? You listen to your own preaching. <laughs> now, she's the only one who's allowed to say that. None of y'all are allowed to say that. <laughs> None of y'all. She's allowed to say it because she's got to live with me and... And I think, I think that she should be allowed to say that. None of you get to say that. I'm kidding. I'm joking. You can always do this. Challenge me like Jesus. Chris, do you believe the words you preach? Are you really trusting this, Father? Or is it about you? Because I need to get off the hook, guys. Because if I feel like I'm on the hook for eternal life, it kills me. It just beats me up. And I need to learn to trust our Father and trust his words. That's what I want to do tonight. I'm just trusting his words. I don't know if anybody will be saved because of this tonight, but I can trust his words. His words never fail. His words never, never stop. His words always work to bring life. The second stickiness, though, is a stickiness. The Holy Spirit makes the word of God sticky enough to get deep inside of you. This is the doctrine of illumination. Take a look here. There's a wonderful transition that happens in the text. If you look at verse 13 it says in him you also when you heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation and believed in him okay that's the word believed and you were sealed it goes on but then it goes down to his prayer and he says he's praying them i do not cease to give thanks for remembering you in my prayers and in verse 17 that the god of our lord jesus christ the father of glory may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him wait that's a shift they believe. Now they have knowledge. That's different than believing. That is different than just believing. Now keep going. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may what? Believe in the hope? No. That you may know the hope to which you were called. That's kind of cool. One this part of the stickiness of the Holy Spirit is to do the work of taking knowledge from your head to your heart and from your mouth into your hands and from and you know what i mean connecting things connecting connecting a belief with god into a growing knowledge of him you see connecting and that there's always a connection the holy spirit always that's the stickiness he who began a good work in you what's he going to do oh he knew no he's going to he's going to finish it he's going to finish it that's part of that stickiness that the Holy Spirit has to stick into us, and, and, and we desperately need this. 
And so this, this, this next work is the work of illumination. I, I, um, I know many of you get frustrated that the Bible seems impenetrable to you. Or you get frustrated that you can't seem to understand it well. And I want to encourage you, never ever attempt to read the scripture without asking God to speak to you. He is the spirit of wisdom and what? Revelation. It's not talking about some new revelation to you. It's talking about showing you what this revelation means. Here, that's been written. And that's what the Holy Spirit says his work. His work. And I guess this idea of getting this in you, getting this sticking inside of you. You know, I, um, there's, a, there's a deep way in which we are to be moving towards understanding. And you know what this reminds me of? You know what this text reminds me of? It reminds me of Augustine. And the great, the great, the great, that great, great preacher, that great, great theologian, he observed something. And as we observed, he's under, he observed that understanding is faith's reward. I believe. Then I understand. Now, a lot of you want to understand before you believe. I know you're struggling. You want to understand. You want to, I, want to, I want to understand the Bible. And, 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 and you're clawing your way up a mountain you can't get up on top of. You see, it's kind of frustrating. You're constantly feeling like you don't understand things. And that can be a very frustrating place to be. But part of the invitation, right here in the text that Paul knows, part of the path and the journey that Augustine himself articulated, was that understanding comes as a result of faith. And it's one of faith's rewards and gifts to us, is that it, it can, we can get even more stuck on Jesus. <laughs> and you can get more stuck on you. And, and that's what I want. I want to be stuck all over Jesus. And I want to be stuck all over me. I want, I want my belief to be transforming all the time into a deepening, not deepening knowledge. Now, what is knowledge? Well, Bible knowing is never just knowing facts, y'all. Bible knowing is never just naked knowing. Bible knowing is never a catalog of facts. Bible knowing is always knowing a person. And I just want to get Jesus stuck all over you, in your heart. Stuck deep inside you. How are we going to do that? Word of truth. Spirit taking the word of truth. Um, I had a, a young man one time. I asked him if he had read. Uh, he was reading his Bible. And this was his response to me. I read it. I never met anybody just could say that. That's very rare. Does anybody tell you they read the whole Bible? You know, I read the whole thing. I was like, yeah. He's like, do you want me to read it again? Dead serious. <laughs> This is not a read-it-once book. <laughs> this is a read-it-over-and-over-and-over-and-over-and-over-again book. This is a book in which you need to get this inside you. I love this little expression of, of uh, 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 that old preacher's, the old preacher, I remember some preacher with his Bible pointing it like that, saying, this will either, sin will either keep you from this book, or this book will keep you from sin. Have you ever heard that, that old chestnut? <laughs> ah, it's true. Facts happen to be true. You know, there's something, there's something elemental about what we're being invited to in the work of the Spirit and this deepening that deepens our knowledge of hope, our knowledge of what His power is and how we tap that power, what those riches and what's available to us in Jesus. And we can itemize and understand and conceive and know. <laughs> That's what's being sticky. I, I want, I want, I want to, if I could, I want to stick Jesus on you so much all over you, all over your heart and life, what you think. Stop believing lies. Stop partaking of lies of this world. You know, I, so many of us have drank lies so deep inside of us at times, we can't tell the truth from fiction. You, I, 
You ever been in that place? Oh, it's such a scary place. Uh, I love one of those quotes that, you know, all of the world, all, uh, it's wonderful, it was in Barnhouse. All the world and all the stories of the world and everybody you know is constantly giving information and advice and encouragement to your flesh. And the only thing that isn't is the Bible. It's the only data point you can take in. You know, is, you know, it's true. You don't have to worry about it. His word is true. I want to invite you to trust it more deeply. I want to teach you all, you all, Spencer and Caroline haven't heard this. Some of you will know this already. But I haven't heard this little rule about the Bible. Some of you haven't heard this. I want to encourage you. you could, this is a treasure for you to keep your whole life. And I'm dead serious about this. Although it sounds a little silly when I say it. And, but it, cherish this and carry this in your heart. Guests, if you're here, this is going to be true for the rest of your life. Just remember this in the back of your head. Whenever you read the Bible and you disagree with it, when you, when you, when you, when you read the Bible and you go, oh, I'm not, mm, I don't know about that. Really? Whenever you read the Bible and you disagree with it, let me give you some encouragement. You're wrong. It's that simple. I've been saying this for years. I say this to myself, folks, till, still to this day. I'll be reading the Bible. I'm a smart and tell I think I got, no, I really, do you think he really wrote that? I can hear in the back of my head because I know all the critical apparatus that's there. All the men who have said, oh, that couldn't be from the original or whatever it may be. I have all this education that I can call upon to take this verse and get it out of my conscience. <laughs> but I can't, can I? Uh, praise God, I can't. But, um, yeah. Uh, reread it, read it again, read it again tomorrow, reread, read slow. Um, I think there's three reading modes. I, I will read really fast to try to get the whole gist. Just read as fast as you can, just to get take it all in, because you can trust the Holy Spirit with the Word. Second reading mode is to read it carefully, think about it, think about what it's saying. And the third is my favorite, and that's just clause by clause, bit by bit until I feel like I understand what it's saying. And the reward. Peace. Peace in the Holy Spirit. Joy. Certainty of my salvation. Knowledge! Not just belief, even. But a sense of knowing Him. And knowing it's true. <laughs> to move from just hoping to believing, to Donald, to knowing. And a sense of confidence. But let's go a little further than this. Because... Um, because there's another work too, the third work. Sticky enough to make us sticky to. I want you to go back to the text now. And I want you to go back to what I said I would refer to in the end, and we'll, we'll close with this teaching here. And that is a comparison of verse 11 and verse 13. This is a very common Pauline syntactical argument. What I mean is, what Paul does is, he will often put one sentence and make the next sentence almost identical in the structure, but change certain things so that you see them in parallel. So you read them in parallel. You read them, and there's, a certain, there's almost like a certain kind of, I think some of it's mnemonic. It, helps you, it can help you memorize. It's also the way Paul's thinking is. He just has this wonderful exploratory, expanding notion I, that way he thinks. But I, I, I think it's fun to track on it. Now, you notice the first in him is a description of his own experience. In him... He talks about predest the predestining power of God. Then he says, in him you also, he points to them. 
Now, why does he make this distinction? Why is that an important distinction to him? Well, first of all, it's historical. Paul knows he's Jewish, and he knows a lot of his readers aren't. And so he's eager, he's eager to point out that there's, that there's an inclusion, and the next chapter of Ephesians is going to go into this in some detail. And so that's definitely a part of what he's thinking about, is that there's this, he doesn't want them to think that they are any different than him. They've been brought in just like he was, right? But he, he, uses, uh, he uses the word of truth, receiving the word of truth as a way of describing it. Now, but I noticed something here by the Holy Spirit. See, Paul's heart is for them. He takes his own salvation, and then he, 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 he takes his own predestined, predestined work of God, and then he, he mirrors that, that they're just like that. And then he begins to pray that they will go even deeper into the knowledge of God. And what I, what I hear here, what I hear is the stickiness of discipleship, of discipling love. This is discipling love. You see, he has a heart for those who don't yet know the things he knows, or don't know them the way he knows them, don't know them with the depth in which he knows them, or has experienced them. And, he, and so we know it's funny, Paul goes from belief to knowledge to action. What's his action? He's praying. Paul's in this, he's in, he, is, he is full throttle into the sticky work of Jesus. He is, and he's stuck on them, and he wants to, he thinks, and he imagines, that it is the role of all those who know Christ to attach themselves to new believers so that they might know the hope and so that they might grow. You know, it's funny, and it's through the Word of God. One of, the, one of the life-changing moments of my wife's life was when Sarah took an interest in her when she was at City Church and then spent years teaching her about the Word of God through the navigators. Praise God. Because Sarah's work was to prepare for me a godly wife in ministry. Praise him. That's the ordinary work of the church. Now I want to ask you, who's stuck on you? Who are you sticking to? There's been a dysfunction. I notice it, it happens to me sometimes too. I get selfish or I don't want to give my life away. But for every Christian, every living believer, there must be a desire to take the word of God and give it to somebody else because you love it so much. And you want them to know about it. And you want them to grow, to go from belief to knowing to acting themselves. You see, Christ always talks about taking young women, women and young men and bringing them into the kingdom and then reproducing 30-fold, 60-fold, 100. He seems to have an assumption that every Christian who loves him winds up producing an attachment, to, uh, attaches themselves, is sticky. Um, I love that. I love. So I'm, I'm going to ask you. You know, it's funny. In him, he said, we were predestined. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth. Do you know that, do you know we can't map it right now? We, can never, we won't map it. We can, when we go to glory, you could ask Jesus to map it for you. You could probably ask him, hey, Jesus, could you show me how I'm connected all the way back to Paul? He can do it. He knows. He doesn't, because Paul told uh, Timothy, and Timothy told, called some guy named I don't know, Tim, and then another guy named Tim, and he told somebody named Bob, and then, you see, you keep going, and it goes all the way down. The Holy Spirit's sticky work has been glomming on to people, <laughs> sticking them with Jesus, sticking Jesus on them, and sticking them together with others for thousands of years. So I want to ask you, 
Are you a part of that motion, a part of that movement of the Spirit? Or is your faith for you? If it is, I want to encourage us for the work of the Spirit. Holy Spirit, come. Make us a church, a sticky people who are constantly inviting and, and carrying and, and wanting and saying, you also, hey, come on, I want you to know, you also, come on, I want to, I'm praying for you that you would deepen in a knowledge of the hope and power and love of God. Praise Him. Yeah, are, are you intentional like that? And I think this is the kind of intention that we must be living in. Now, some of you will say, I'm not qualified, I can't disciple. That's garbage. The Word of God disciples people, you don't. Get up off your horse. You have nothing to do but to show up in somebody else's life and read the Bible with them. That's about it. You know that's 99% of my ministry. <laughs> Getting with people and going over Bible stuff. I'm not that creative myself. Trust God to say things. Praise Him. He's at work in the world. The Holy Spirit's at work in the world. And we have hope. <laughs> you know, I, I was ending with this. I have on my notes here that... <laughs> All these notes about what's, you know, I, I even had a note, note here, should I command people to talk more about Jesus? And I realized, no. No, I'm not going to command that. You know why? If you don't talk about Jesus, it's because you don't care about him. I, that's what I believe. I'm sorry. It's just not, it's not living in your life yet. You need the Holy Spirit to make you more sticky. You should, maybe at the end of this message, God has been revealed as a talker. And if you ain't talking about him, you don't know him. <laughs> I, it's even true about me. If I, don't, ah, I shouldn't command you to go talk about Jesus because I, I should command and I should call on you to, to be so stuck on Jesus. He is what you talk about. And his words are the words you share. And if you'll do that, you'll dare to do that. You'll dare to trust God's word and their stickiness. You're going to get sticky too. And life is going to flow through you. You know, Jesus made this wonderful observation that out of us would flow streams of living water. <laughs> us! That's pretty sticky. You know, I, uh, I was remi- I'm really reminded, I guess, and this is a way to us to end this. Um, Let's see how to roll a tape. And it lost its stickiness. I don't know, it's duct tape. Maybe it's duct tape. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's scotch tape. Maybe it's uh, masking tape. Maybe it's, I don't know. And it's lost its stickiness. What's it good for? Tell me. I, I mean, honestly, what's tape good for if it's not sticky? The only purpose then is to be thrown in the trash and burned. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to make us super sticky. To make us tacky. Amen! I just just made a joke. For the glory of Christ. Let's pray. Oh, Father. Oh, Father, would you sprinkle the blood of of our Savior on us? Nothing is as sticky as the blood of Jesus, where it cleanses and sticks to the sinners who trust in you. (laughs) And how we praise you. 
We praise you that you have such a love for us. We praise you that you're a talker and your talk is all about how much you love us. <laughs> you talk, what's the most common command in the Bible? Don't be afraid. <laughs> That's what you talk about. Your talk is grace. Your talk is your son and his love and his power. Your talk is all about the hopes and the riches and the power we have in you. Your talk made the world. Your talk made every sun in the sky, every star. Every new heart in here was created because you spoke it into being by your word of truth. So we ask, we're just asking for the Holy Spirit to come now. Father, give us hunger for the word. Get us hungry. Open it up to us. Effectually call right in this moment. Maybe there's somebody here who has never really trusted you. Father, let the, let the effective call go out. Your word go out. Whoever calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen. But let your effective word go out to encourage those who are discouraged tonight. Let your effective words go out to, to those who we realize they have been quiet. They haven't been sticky for you or stuck on you. Father, but above all things, we, we present to you ourselves as, as your church, as your bride. Would you forgive us if we have not been sticky? If we have not been a place where people can glom onto you? And would you <laughs> do a mighty work of the Spirit, renewing, reviving, and filling us in this time, in this age, <laughs> in this city? Why not, Father? For the glory of Jesus. And we pray these things in Jesus' name.